I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is your mental breakdown. <laughs> the podcast? <laughs> Meredith is laughing at me because I was pointing at her and stalling on what I was saying, making you think that we were going to say something together, but that's not what I meant. I just totally had my own little mini mental breakdown. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man. Speaking of mental breakdowns, we have been off of Drew for a while, and I have been broken down about this, and it really bothers me because we missed an entire audio file of his. We've, we've had a few. We're like, I don't know how it happens because he records on his own mic, sends me the file, and I record the Zooms, so I have it. But for some reason, sometimes it doesn't download to my computer and what he sends me. I mean, I had maybe 40 files from him that were all mislabeled with the wrong dates. So sifting through it and it's sifting through just him talking. And I have all of the dates of just me talking and seeing which ones line up. Oh, man. If I was ever sick of hearing myself talk, it would have happened in the last couple of weeks. And it didn't. I love hearing myself talk. So. Okay. Well, I'm glad that at least we're able to be filled in a little bit and continue. Yeah. So this will be new to you, Mayor, because I'll tell you, you heard the one that we're going to break down is the one that happened after the one I'm about to talk about. But I can only talk about this based on hearing my audio and remembering what we were talking about, which I've got a pretty good memory. So if you remember last week with Drew, he was having a pretty rough week. Like we were talking about the suicidal ideation and kind of diving into that. What we kind of hit in the following week was talking about existential anxiety. It's something that he hadn't really heard of or understood, but it was just being freaked out about not existing anymore. And that's sort of where you jumped on me last week with him about saying that I didn't think he was somebody who wanted to die. And I wish you heard this one because this was him saying, yeah, I'm so scared of not existing. I don't want to not exist. That's existential anxiety. Worried about that. So he looked at that and was trying to understand, well, what happens when I hit these big bouts of depression? He calls them seasons or episodes, you know, like, what do I do with this? And he liked how I talked about it, like hitting turbulence on an airplane. And I don't know about you, you're probably a better flyer than I am. I hate flying. Me too. I do not like flying. Really? Yes. You've been on small planes though. I will not go on a small plane. Yeah. I like to travel. I want to see the world. Me too. That's why they have the National Geographic channel. <laughs> I just hate flying though, for sure. Well, he, yeah. And with Drew, what we were talking about was, look, when you get on a plane, you know, there's probably going to be turbulence. You can anticipate it. And if you do, you might be anxious the whole time. You can ignore it and pretend it's not there, or you can drink a bunch and get loaded on a flight. But when it hits, it's going to hit you hard. So how do we do it? Maybe you just acknowledge it's something uncomfortable and scary and it will pass. And that's what he was saying, like, oh, right, these episodes that I'm having, I like that I can actually be in them and that I can name them and talk to you or talk to other people. And what feels better to him in the moment in order to get through it is recognizing what the moment is. Damn you for us missing that. Yeah, it, it bummed me out that we don't get to hear that. A lot of how he was talking about it, what he liked was, I like that I have people around me 
and not knowing how to tell them I'm having turbulence or what to go through, like maybe you don't have to. Maybe you can just let them be there and see what happens when somebody's there for you. And it's something that it was really, really hard for him to come around to. He kind of brought back the love languages, how he loves that. And he feels this, I don't know, guilt for if somebody's going to be there for him, he needs to provide a service to them. He's like, I want to give an act of service, but I can't. And I was saying like, well, what if you shift to thinking about it as quality time? Maybe what you're doing is letting them spend quality time with you. He wants to provide them an act of service? Yeah. For being there for him when he's feeling depressed. I see. And then even going like, well, maybe you can use words of affirmation and you could thank them. Because he's thinking of it in terms of wanting to give a love language that he knows people recognize. Like, but what if acts of service aren't it for them? Coming around with some way to appreciate people being there for him is something new. And that was a lot of what we were talking about not making the thing okay, but making it okay that people can be there with you and you're just not alone. Yeah, that's an interesting one also. I mean, obviously it's connected to the one before just in terms of talking about the fear of not existing. Interesting that you like that. What he was talking about in a sense in the one that you guys missed is just existing with somebody in the moment without providing anything or doing anything or giving any value at all, just being. And that's something that he's historically not very comfortable with. And you'll hear in the session that you guys are about to hear, you'll hear him say something pretty close off the bat about that. So he kind of took it to heart, which was really nice. That's kind of the backdrop of the missing session. It's a bummer you guys didn't hear it, but at least we had my audio. And if any of you want to hear just my audio, just me talking for 50 minutes, well, you can't. I'm going to spare you that. (laughs) That won't happen. What you will hear is the next session. So this is the one right after what I was just describing to you guys. And we will be back in a little bit and break it down for real. I feel really good about being here and feel very um, safe in the unknown. It's kind of one of those situations. Wow. Safe in the unknown. I want to unpack both sides of that. Feeling safe is huge and different. I want to hear about that. But the, the unknown, tell me about that a little bit. I think I I somewhat had my trajectory of where I wanted my life to be over the last like year, year and a half. I, I really knew what I wanted to do and I was kind of carving my space out in the world for that. I think it all kind of took a 180 in the last like three months, kind of throwing that into the unknown throwing our relationship into the unknown because of everything we've gone through in the last six months and now being in a spot where it feels really genuine and I feel like I can really talk to her and be heard. I'm not looking at the, where are we going to be in six months? Where are we going to be in a year? Where are we going to be in two years? What's the point? What are we doing? We really got back to the, the day-to-day, even the hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, enjoying the time, which has been huge because we're both working so much that we only really get to see each other for a couple minutes a day. It's really brought us back to the let's sit down and talk and have conversation again. It sounds like you're very present and you're in it, which is awesome. You're seeing the trees in front of you and like, yeah, I'm cool. I, I know I'm in the forest, but I'm cool. I'm looking at the trees. I want to get a sense of the whole forest and then I'll, I'll show it back to you. We'll see what it looks like. Yeah. Well, last year you had a huge breach of trust. And I would ask you every now and then during that time, 
oh, so you're staying with your girlfriend and you would smile huge and be like, it's not my girlfriend, right? And we kind of like, okay, all right. And it, there was no judgment attached to that. It was more like it took pressure off of you to not call her girlfriend. But now you moved in with her. That sounds like girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through the, the shift in you, not necessarily your relationship, but the shift in you. Yeah, right. I think where I've been, you know, in the last probably 10 years of my life, it's been a, a huge shift from little Drew to teenager to kind of adult Drew. I've realized for myself, and I've said it to you too, of like my disproportionate reactions have really made me think about everything in my life in entirety. And now I kind of break it down to like the smaller, I, I, I don't even want to say smaller, like the bigger the smaller, bigger things in me and her relationship, you know, the cheating, the distrust, those are the big ones, the cheating and the distrust that really hurt me and, and really made me question a lot of who she is and what we are and who I am and, you know, all those. And I think now I've gotten to a point where I'm rolling on my own. I wouldn't and I don't feel devastated if I didn't have her in my life, but I really enjoy her in my life. And it's not to say we don't fight and it's not to say we don't have <laughs> shit. And like my disproportionate reactions are still there. You know, like we were just spinning in a circle and doing the same shit over and over again. I think it'd be a little bit different conversation, but I do feel like we're growing and progressing individually and together all at the same time. And then throwing kid in there, I think, I think it's a little different now. I really wanted to be a dad and really wanted a family and kind of looked at it in a picturesque kind of way. And I think it's a, it's a lot more real now. Like I love the realness of what the struggle is in raising a kid. It's cool that I have a good relationship with his dad. And I, that's the whole point, I think, of being a big family. And, that, and I said family a couple of times, but I think that's really what I'm coming down to is... I almost wish my mom was willing to work like this, you know, in, in a big way. I think if we could sit down and have a couple of the conversations and, and walk through life the way me and girlfriend have, I think me and my mom's relationship would be a lot better. And same with me and my dad. I feel like I've walked through a lot of shit with her and we've gone through a lot of shit together. And I mean, I feel like I came out a much better person and I am becoming a much better person day to day. It's cool to hear you talking about this. Highlight your values. That sense of family with your brother, that's working out. Over the last six months, maybe more, with your dad, it went from wanting to be partners, wanting him involved in everything to, no, it's just cool. If he takes an interest, that's awesome. I, I want that emotional support or I want that financial support, but I don't need it from him. If it's there, it's great. Mom's been missing in some of that. And at the very best... She's been inconsistent. Right. Yeah. Let me revisit the, that first word in what you said. That phrase, safe in the unknown, is huge. Tell me about the safe part, because that has, I think, everything to do with you. You're the one that needs to feel safe. I think a big one for me recently, and I like my whole life has been finances, right? I think I've been really working on distancing that aspect of my relationship with my mom and dad. And I feel it now and I feel a lot more independent and I feel a lot more grounded in who I am. And I, I also know that I have a whole community that I can rely on where I need to. And so with, 
with kind of that mentality. I got it figured out. I'm good, you know, and then I got hit with a crazy hospital bill. And I was like, oh, shit. And so I called I called my dad because that's what he had asked me to do. He's like, call me. Don't call your mom for finances anymore. And I was like, okay. So I call him up. I need some help. The mantra of him and my mom have been, don't worry about money. Don't stress about money. We got you. We'll get through these next two months and you don't need to worry about anything. Just go work. Go focus on yourself. Go do what you're doing. You're making good like progression steps. And I was like, okay, cool. And then my mom hits me this morning and was like, so you got rent covered this month, right? I'm bringing that example up too, because even a month ago, maybe, you know, it would have devastated me where now it's like, okay, like I can figure this out. I almost feel like I I switched, you know, I was walking the tightrope with my parents and now I'm kind of my safety net, you know? So I realized in myself, like how, how strong I really am and how much I can really do. I still need help. I don't have it all figured out. Like, I know myself a lot better now than I ever have. And I'm, I've taken myself for a couple of test drives and I feel like I'm kind of letting the wheels come off and the training wheels come off. I just feel very safe in myself. I'm going to hit two things. Trust, inconsistency or consistency. We're going to bring it back to, to trauma response. What you're describing is I feel more safe within myself. I'm okay. There's, there's a lot of change and inconsistency around me. And I know I'm okay. And even if I don't feel okay initially, I know I am okay. Yeah. That's you reassuring yourself and healing yourself from trauma. When there's a change, when there's an inconsistency, all of that stuff triggers you. And part of that trigger you have taken as it's my trust issue. It's not about trust. It's a trauma response because your system goes back to, you know, feeling traumatized. And when we're initially traumatized, when something like incredible is happening, you know, we go into that fight or flight response. It's not just fight or flight. It's technically it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Those are the four typical responses to a threat, right? And when there's a trauma, when there's a threat, our system goes into that, that fight or flight, freeze or fawn mode. And we're in that mode and we need to protect ourselves. You know, we, we choose one of those modes unconsciously, sometimes consciously, as a form of protection to respond to the threat. Mm, yeah. Your system works great because it does that. With trauma, you kind of get locked into that system and you stay there. Sometimes your body will even stay locked in. How's this stuff hitting you right now? It makes a lot of sense. I think I think my flight is my strongest out of all of those. And I think where I feel most secure. Um, and then Fawn is probably second. And it's interesting because I haven't, I haven't heard that one. And so like hearing you say that, I feel like I'm either all out or all in. I'm interested to see what the opposite is, what, like what in trauma happens now when I can recognize, Oh, I'm flying. Like I should, I should kind of land a little bit and figure this one out. Incredible things are happening to you. You're actually telling your system it's safe. Even when you don't feel okay, it's okay to not be okay. That's part of you telling your system. It's okay. You don't have to go into fight or flight. There's no real threat here. We're all right. I'm safe in the unknown. The unknown used to trigger that. Yeah. Right. 
some of the things that I said back to you, like going back two years, were so in moments like this, I can refer to it and you'd be like, oh, right. Like I would say things like, yeah, yeah, you've got that go, 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 go mentality. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm always going. I'm always going. Yeah, I'm Superman with the cape. You go into that fight or flight mode. That's what you know. It's a great get shit done mode when we choose it, when we're aware of it. And then we do everything to not get triggered and even rifling through her phone or checking, you know, for bottles everywhere in, in, at your mom's house. Like that's, that's a version of it too. When you're where we are right now, yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to go through your phone. Yeah. If you're cheating on me, yeah, I'm out of here. It's okay. You know, like, yeah, if you're drinking again, you're drinking, that's your thing. I'm okay. Yeah. I think I actually experienced that about a week ago. My mom was going to Tennessee. I don't know what we were talking about. Might've been the hospital bill. It was something, it was something important to me. And she just didn't remember any of our conversation. I can remember the feeling and what it was and, and thinking to myself of like, damn, this has been my whole life just like this. And almost like choosing of like, well, I'm either gonna be hella sad about this and really like distraught over my mom not being okay. I basically remember making the decision of like, that's her. Like, I love her so much and, and it has nothing to do with how much I care about her. But I can't, I can't love her and go take care of her and fix everything all at the same time. Cause then I wouldn't love myself. And I can't, I can't be there for anybody if I can't take care of myself. Like the realization of being really strong in, in who I am to make the decision of not calling my dad and be like, what the fuck's wrong with mom? Why aren't you taking care of her? Why aren't you doing, the, you know, and doing that kind of scenario. And I wasn't, oh, let me just suppress this. I'm going to go smoke some weed and go to sleep and I'll wake up and I'll go to the gym and I'll be fine. It was like, uh, I came home, talked to a girlfriend. They like, hey, this, this shit sucked. Feel horrible about it. All of that sounds like you're you're not getting triggered by like you're you're actually responding to things instead of reacting to things. Yeah, you know, doesn't mean you're going to like all of them. You needed to feel that out and walk through that. You know, and it's even you know things that seem little to you that are actually reshaping your brain subtly. The only thing you can count on in life is that it will change. Yeah, everything does. You're already moving towards response, not react. I think it's really allowing me to take a step back from the moment. You know, I think we've talked a lot about getting back into the moment. And while I'm there, I feel as these kind of situations arise, it's not such a, I need to fix it right here, right now. It's a, okay, let me kind of take a couple of days and just kind of like sit on it and figure it out and, and progress and, and see how it goes. It doesn't mean that you're, you're just meek and mild all the time and people can run all over you. Like you, you are having what we've worked on boundaries. I think I'm really relearning again, what it truly means of like, I don't need to give anybody anything or I don't need to do anything. I just need to be vulnerable and be myself. And that's what I am. It makes it okay with where and how you are. You know, I mean, once, once you're, how you want to be, what you're doing is, is okay for the most part. It's partly taking pride in what you do, but partly being good with how you are. So what you're doing becomes secondary. Everything feels good. If we tried to work on responding instead of reacting in the moment, that would be so difficult. 
a lot of the work that we've done is paying off in ways where some of these subtle shifts in you have become big. It's sort of like steering a giant ship, a tanker. You can't turn it, you know, 90 degrees and make like a hard left. You, you turn it like three or four degrees and over time you realize, oh, now it's, now it's way over there. That's what you've been doing. You might not notice that much different day to day. But over time, when I reflected back, and part of what you know therapy is good for is, is to have those mile markers. So you can look back and see like, oh yeah, I have, I have hit these markers. I have done this work. It's great. It's fucking crazy. I'm a really happy kid, but I'm also a really happy man. And I'm understanding what that is now. And I think my existential anxiety is still very much present, but... I see it in a different light now, I think. It's something along the lines of, like, there isn't a point, so just enjoy it. <laughs> so it's not in that constant state of terror. You know, how often are you having night terrors now? Fuck, rarely. Like, once every three months, if that. Yeah. Two years ago, how often were you doing it? Was it happening? God, every day. Every day, every night, you yeah. know? There you go. That's a testament to the work that you're doing with your system. You've shifted your mm -hmm. system. It does not feel like it's in a constant state of terror. Night and day, you know, it really is. I feel like I, I'm leading my own life now, not waiting for people to kind of either come with me or tell me what to do or be involved in some way. There is no point, so just have fun with it. You know, it's, it's like... People are going to come and go. People are going to love. People are going to hurt. It's part of it. You know, you just got to enjoy all of it. Absolutely. Be present. Going back to our very first session, you know, this is the perfect starting spot. Like, this is the perfect starting spot. It's like a safe spot for me, too, and, and somewhere I can really come in and, and figure myself out in a sort of way. And I love being able just to kind of talk freely and hear it back and kind of work through my own. I, I almost feel like I'm not thinking when we're doing therapy, you know what I mean? It, like I am, like I am processing. I am like thinking about what I'm saying, but it's almost like, it's like my feelings are talking and now I'm excited to kind of see how my brain or my feelings processes what these are and walking through that and growing and Getting to that, you know, the next level and the next level and the next level. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. And we're back. Hello. Hello. We are back. We are back. We are we are here breaking it down and doing what we do. <laughs> I loved how he started out just saying that. He feels safe in the unknown. That's what I was talking about, why I wanted to give you the fill-in for the last session that we had, because talking about existential anxiety and just being able to be there, I think that was almost instant to start the session that he said that. It was like, wow, okay, that's a switch. And it was real. Well, and then talked a lot about what that meant and about the girlfriend. Let's just jump to that. The, I no longer have to say girlfriend, not girlfriend. I'm pretty confident we can just say girlfriend at this point. Wow, Drew, big step. Did we know he moved in with her? 
or no? Was that new? It just pretty much happened. He'd been spending a lot of time with her and at her place and she's got a kid. They are now actually living together. Wow. And now I can just say girlfriend. Him saying like, yeah, her kid is part of my life now too. I know. He kept saying family. That was so cute. Well, family. And also was able to say, you know, I wish that I could have these types of conversations with my mom in the way that they're able to talk. Or I guess he gets along with his girlfriend's kid's dad. Is that what he was saying? Yep. That is pretty fucking cool. It's something also cool the way that he talked about it. He's like, I respect that he's the dad. I'm not trying to be the dad. We have a good relationship and it's cool trying to respect how he's doing things and what he's doing and being able to talk as a family and figure things out like that. It was cool to hear that. And you're right. He did kind of go, yeah, I wish I could do this with my mom. And then talked about how he spoke to his mom and she didn't remember any of the conversation that he had had with her recently about something. And he made the decision in that moment to just say, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm not doing this. It was interesting because it was mainly talking about finances, that his mom has largely handled his finances for him. And we talked about this a few months ago, that he's been working on his own independence and his individuation from them by taking control and the power of his finances and of himself. But his mom still brings that stuff up. And in some ways, she's infantilizing him and trying to take care of him. But she can't remember conversations that they had, partly because she's getting loaded. And that's something where now his dad is calling him and saying like, hey, don't talk to your mom about that anymore. And, you know, it messes her up or it stresses her out. And he's like, I didn't. And she brings it up. And he's kind of getting to that place of like, I'm sick of the inconsistency. I just want to be safe within myself. That's the thing that I know. And that goes back to the unknown. And what I really liked is that he's seeing there's inconsistency around him, especially with parents. And the consistency and the stability is him. And it seemed like he was saying that he feels more independent with the finances thing that it's, you know, he's like going through it and it's not easy. And oh my God, poor guy, hospital bills or motherfucker. Dude. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of ways around that. You guys, I just want you to know that. <laughs> I'm just saying like, if you don't have the finances, like you can work something out with them. You really can. So I just want to say that because it's horrible. And I think he's got such tremendous fear about this because he doesn't know how to do that. And it's trying to kind of reassure himself that he can handle these things. He said something that was cool. He was like, yeah, I think I've gone from little Drew to teenage Drew to kind of adult Drew. In his relationship with his girlfriend, I love that he said, like, I feel like we're growing and regressing individually and together all at the same time. And that's really supporting each other as they grow, which is what's happening. It's nice to hear him do some of that. It's also still really tough because it's not just going to change just like that. He still has those, I called them trauma responses a few times in the session and trying to highlight for him like the fight or flight thing that he goes into. Yeah. And he talked about, what did he call? Oh, disproportionate reaction, the incongruent reaction. And he's aware of that. And you said the responding instead of reacting. I think just him noticing that he can even do that is amazing. It's cool to hear him taking a beat before something like, wait, hang on, hang on. Let me respond. And it's something that I highlighted for him in this about that go, go, go mentality he used to have and that putting on the cape and being Superman everywhere he goes and getting shit done. And that's like giving yourself a moment to just pause and come from a slightly different place where you don't have to go, go, go. And that's different for him 
again, why I mentioned the fight or flight response, because a lot of him is fawn. He will people please and he will take care of everybody and take care of everything and it burns him out. And I think he's realizing that and he's at a place where he's, I think, got a good perspective on looking at mom and dad and just kind of going like, what the fuck? And sometimes he will just kind of go like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to smoke weed. I'm going to do this. And now he's just going to his girlfriend and going, this sucks. Here's what's going on. A very telling thing to me is when he said, yeah, I wish I could have these conversations with my mom. I'm thinking like, yeah, and you're having them, period. Amazing. He's really, I forgot. Oh, oh, that was it. The other thing you talked about night terrors, right? And he was saying just how far he's come, like used to have them every day. And now it's maybe once every three months or something, just how much he's grown is we've been able to see that too. That's what's so cool. It is. And that's something that I was talking about towards the end. Like when you want to make these big changes, you think in your head, I need to take this turn and make a 90 degree turn. So I'm over there. And if you think of yourself as like a big cruise ship or something, you can't turn 90 degrees on a dime. You have to turn like three or four degrees and trust that in time, you will be at the point you would have been had you made that hard left turn. So it's very different, but it's so cool that he can see like, oh, right, this is happening. And like you said, Mary, you guys are seeing it too, that he isn't having night terrors every day. You know, we didn't talk about it. And I think he brought it up. Or maybe I just said like, right, it's sort of like the night terrors. You're not in that constant state of terror, that constant state of alert. How often do you have them? He's like, I don't know, every three months. Like, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I'll take some credit for guiding the ship, but he's the one that's turned it. You're doing the work together. That's what it's about. Yeah. And something he said right at the very end that I loved, he was like, it feels like this is the perfect starting spot for us now. And that's something I'll say to clients too. When you feel like you're in a rut with therapy or something, if you think about where you've been and where you came from and where you are now, it's so different. I will give clients the homework to come to their next session as though it's our first session so they can present to me as they are right now. And that's essentially what Drew said. Like, I don't feel like I'm where I was a couple of years ago. Now I feel like, cool, we can really get to the next level, then the next, then the next. Yeah, it's funny you say that too, because I was thinking about, it's been a while since I've had my own therapy, my own therapist, and you know, whatever, but it's time to go back. And I was thinking to myself, where would I start? Like, what would I say? I kind of want to just say like, hey, you guess. right let's just see what you got right and that is sort of what you can do like you just walk in and you go yeah well let's do this well what do you want to do well i don't know what do you got i can just spew or uh you can direct me exactly i think it's a great thing like starting therapy no matter where you are even if you've been in therapy for a while to just kind of go here's where i am right now and here's where i think i want to be uh i don't know you tell me. I could just throw it all out there and you can make sense of it or, or what. That's what we do for some people. It's great. And I'm very glad that you're getting back into therapy. I'm sure everybody is. <laughs> We're all happy for you, Meredith. Thanks. Oh, wait. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Oh, Uh-oh. you guys look out. Bring it on. Okay. So, yay. Excited to hear the next step for him. We will be back for the next level the next time. And for now... Enjoy the rest of your day. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.